Hey, thanks for listening to the Average Files Podcast. Uh, in today's episode, I get to sit down with my cousin Natasha from Tasha Bakes. Uh, this is a side hustle that she started out of her own kitchen, uh, baking cakes and uh, different uh, baked goods like that. Uh, we also talked about Latino Hispanic culture. We got into that a little bit. Uh, been exploring this with the ancestry stuff right now and uh, really just trying to, you know, figure things out. And it was really good to have a conversation with her. Uh, my cousin is just so, like, just cool as a person she's just, just fun time to have these kind of conversations with so i was honored to be able to sit down with her um and yeah i hope you guys enjoy this episode if you're looking for the most amazing podcast ever well this isn't it you're listening to the average fellas podcast guaranteed to let you down and leave you unsatisfied <laughs> to another episode of the Average Fells Podcast. I am your host, Zodi Zach, coming to you live all the way from Riverside, California. Um, today's actually not a live episode. I don't even know why I'm saying that. Um, but I was, I'm was i just re- redoing the uh, intro for the episode that I previously recorded a few weeks back with my my uh, my lovely cousin, Natasha. And we had a good time having this conversation. But um, anyways, uh, today is September 7th, uh, 2020. And, um, yeah, it is hot out, man. It is so hot outside. Melting. Heat wave. Um, Labor Day. Happy Labor Day, guys. Um, I hope you guys are being safe out there. Wearing a mask if you're, you know, out in the public. Uh, Yeah. Let's just, you know, be safe, guys. (laughs) Um, This weekend, be safe. That's all I got to say about that. Um, Yeah. uh, Let me do this week in history. So we have uh, September 7th, right? In uh, 1996, uh, famous actor and hip-hop recording artist Tupac Shakur was shot several times uh, after he was leaving a boxing match in Las Vegas, Nevada. He was riding in a black BMW uh, with uh, Death Row Records founder Suge Knight when he was uh, when he was killed. Um, actually, he was he was it's a, reported that he'd later died in the hospital um, several days later. Sorry. Um, so, um, yeah, that happened on September 7th. I know it's a dark story. Usually all the stories I share are dark, man. But, you know, whatever. Uh, I thought this was a really cool, a really cool one to bring up, you know, um, for this day in history. Anyways, yeah. So I just want to say a shout out to everybody listening. Thank you very much for uh, participating in the show with us. Uh, we reached the 400 mark, so we cleared 400 downloads in two months. I really thank you guys for that. Awesome. Uh, and if you guys uh, have a chance to like, you know, sub or follow whatever platforms you choose, you know, that'd be great. Really appreciate all your guys' help. It helps us in the directories, helps us be found. Um, so that way we can keep the show going, I guess. I'm talking like a wee, but it's really just me. <laughs> it's because I believe in me. That's why. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, yeah. So, thank you guys. Uh, yeah, let's get into it. How's it going? Good. How are you? 
I'm doing great. Doing great. Oh, man. So, wow. When was the last time we actually hung out or talked? Your wedding. That was right. My wedding. Duh. <laughs> and I was so sick. I'm convinced I had COVID back then. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. It's, wow. No, I was sick for two months. I had gotten sick around New Year's Eve. Yeah. I'd be sick for a week, get better for two or three days, and come back for wow. two months. So... You, yeah, and that was like that was around. That's when we would hear rumors. We'd hear rumors of COVID. You know, it wasn't. And as a freak, I um, knew about COVID because I follow Tokyo and Hong Kong pages for Disney. Yeah. So I already saw it happening over there, and then I myself went to Disney in December, and then got sick two weeks after I got back from Disney. Oh my gosh! So I'm pretty positive. I was positive. <laughs> I'm positive. I was positive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you're the one who, who got it, who infected us all. No. It was me. Sorry, guys. Super spreader. Yes. Um, yeah. So how's life? What's going on? Uh, life is good. It's hot. Um, where I live, normally it's 66 degrees all year round. It's been in the high 80s and we're, it's too hot. No. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is definitely desert weather up here. So it's just it's been like in the hundreds for the last couple days, and like I'm okay with hot weather, but but you know there comes a point in time where like you get one one hundred three one hundred four. It's not you just it's just hell after that. You know, (laughs) every degree is just it's just hell after that. Yeah, Um, and humidity. Because we're close to the ocean. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no. <laughs> Tell me about it. I just, it's just, I feel like the air is just so heavy right now, especially all the yeah. fires too. All the fires this summer. I mean, already, I think Corona. There was a fire. There's one in Apple Valley right now. So it's where I'm at. It's definitely burning in the surrounding communities. So we're just getting yeah. all the smoke coverage. It's making Walmart. it even worse. Okay. You what happened? Din Center was on fire at Walmart. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Leave it up to Santa. (laughs) Um, Anyways, yeah. Um, Yeah, can you tell me three interesting facts about you? Yes. I love talking about myself. (laughs) Number one, during Corona, I've adopted a husky. And she's the light of my life. (laughs) Nice. Love her. Um, She's older. She's nine, so she's considered a senior. Um, Very well trained already. Um, And she best thing i've never really been a dog owner as an adult until now and it's very different than having i still have my cat yeah but they're not responsive and loving yeah no they're not man i can tell you that my dog i've never had more of a closer relationship with my pet than i've had with my you know my most recent dog russell yeah and it's just different. I just, you know, I had pets growing up, but they didn't mean as much as, as this guy means to me. So, right. like, we're we're ride or die buddies right now. <laughs> and you know, I'm a self-proclaimed cat person. You've known me my whole life. Yes. Cats, cats. And this dog is now, like, my child. <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. My, my dog's my son now, too. He's just so... <laughs> I mean, I'm already, I'm at the point right now, like where I'm already juggling whether or not I'm going to get him, like what lessons I'm getting him, where he's going for his vet appointments now. Like it, it's, it's getting beyond, beyond normal. Like he, yeah. I buy him docky cannolis. This is how bad it's gotten. <laughs> That's cute. I've heard 
little treats, but she's a humane society dog, so there's lots of perks that I get just by taking her back there for any checkups. Or oh, anything. wow, awesome. Yeah. Um, but number two, interesting fact, and I was thinking about this, um, I love the Jonas Brothers. That's I've seen right. them times in concert, uh, twice when they were, you know, in their heyday, once their farewell tour, and then I just saw them when they reunited in October, and that's, no, is that the last, con- yeah, that's the last concert I went to, was the October. Jonas Brothers. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So tell me, let me tell me if this is kind of sad, if this has hit you, right? So I went to go see Tenacious D for my, mm-hmm. was it my 30th birthday, babe? We went to see Tenacious D? No, it was my 31st. It was my 31st birthday. Last year, yeah, it would have been your 31st. Yeah. So anyways, I, um, we went to go see Tenacious D and... So my wife and I are there standing in line and, you know, I look at the line and everybody kind of looks old. I was like, there's no way. Who are all these old people in line? You know, and I look back at the line. I'm like, wait a second. These are all the 30 something year olds here to see Tenacious D. And um, so this is like around like I want to say like nine o'clock. We're in line. We finally get into the Hollywood. I think it was the Hollywood Palladium is where we went to go see them at. <laughs> and man, we're still waiting for the first act to go on. And my wife, she turns around and looks at me. She's like, oh my God, I can't stand anymore. And I was like, I know my legs. I'm done. And we're still <laughs> waiting for the first, the first act hasn't even gone on yet. You know, so we're there. We're like, oh my God, please hurry up. So the first act, we stay up front. And then finally the main act comes on, Tenacious D, right? I'm here for Jack Black. I want his, I want his sweat on my face kind of, you know, attitude. I just... <laughs> My bones and my body just, my head was thinking something else. My head was like, be a rock star, go crowd surf. But my body was like, no, go, go lay down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, I love that you said that you wanted his sweat on your sweat. Cause I told my mom yesterday, I'm like the next concert I get to go to, I want front row. I want their sweat to be my sweat. (laughs) This is how I know we're related. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. It's funny. Uh, one last thing. Come on, we made third good one. Those were really good, but they, I was just you got to keep up. Those those two were really good. <laughs> okay, so earlier I dropped that I'm a Disney freak. Yeah. Third fun fact is that when I was at Disneyland, I was there because I was able to get into Club Thirty Three. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, my friend, his vendor, is a member, and he told him, "Yeah, whenever you want, just let me know." And we let him know we were able to get a drink at the bar, buy merchandise. Wow. And, um, he wants to invite us back. Once it reopens, he wants to get us in for free and have actually a meal there. So hopefully that's in my future. But, I mean, if I never go back, I, at least I can say I went to club. <laughs> yeah, <three>. exactly. <laughs> well, no, it's the same thing. Like My wife's like a super fan, too. But she's also yeah. like super Harry Potter fan. So I think you guys share that. Yeah. Um, she's a super Harry Potter fan, but like she has gotten me back into Disney. I mean, I kind of wrote it off for a long time, but being a Star Wars fan, it was kind of, it was, it was happening when, you know, going to Galaxy's Edge was in the cards for me. So I was like, okay, yeah, for sure. Like I'm definitely getting back on the Disney train for a while, yeah. you know, <laughs> especially with the Mandalorian season two coming out. I don't know if you noticed my brother and I are doing, um, Thursday night we're doing, uh, the, we're doing Star Bros, where we feature a companion episode with the Mandalorian. So Thursday night, people, check it out. Star Bros, shout out. Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, shameless plug for my own my own podcast on my own podcast. There we go. Um, 
Hey, so uh, let's. I want to get onto a little something, some topics, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more. I think uh, more relevant because these are really what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, although I yeah. do love hearing all the interesting facts about you, cousin. It's amazing. <laughs> but, um, but really, what I want to talk to you about is uh, what what is Tasha Bakes? <laughs> so um, I do. I guess freelance baking out of my kitchen right now from home. Um, I can bake anything from fresh breads to, you know, cakes, cupcakes, cookies. I will bake anything. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yes. And I do sell it and I uh, have people send me special requests and uh, I, I guess I'll get a little bit to the history. It just started with me selling pumpkin bread. Years ago, I found this pumpkin recipe that a girl had posted that her grandmother cut out of a newspaper yeah, and it's a hit. So I decided, you know, I'm gonna try to sell this. So I sold it during fall last year, and I made like 300 bucks, and wow. that's the money I used to go to Disneyland. Nice. <laughs> and for Valentine's, I'm like, well, let me do it again. So I made these amazing chocolate little heart cakes filled with like a cream cheese, whipped cream, fresh raspberries drizzled with like a chocolate ganache. Sold a crap load of those. <laughs> and <laughs> I decided why limit myself to just special occasions. So I'm like, yeah, you know, you want to buy cookies? Boom, I'll make them. Cakes, you got it. And then I don't breads, which is, I love to make bread. Like I love the yeast and the rising and what you can just make. And um, I have a few other people I know that like do locally make treats, but I'm like, they don't do bread. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, no, my dad, my dad's really into baking bread right now, too. Every time, like every Christmas uh, birthday, I've just been buying him bread stuff. So I'm like, hey, keep the bread coming because we're eating it. (laughs) No, and we'll send each other, uh, me and your dad, photos of like bread we bake. Oh, really? Yes. (laughs) You guys have your own, the great Mexican bake-off. Yes, or he'll call me and just leave me a voicemail like, oh, I love you, mija. Keep on baking. Number one fan right there. There you go. Awesome. My dad doesn't call me and encourage me. That's sad. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get a phone call. Hey, keep on talking to that microphone, Zach. You'll yeah, I know, it. right? I know your dad will probably call me and tell me. me keep talking to that microphone. I'm like, yes. Or he's like, hey, why didn't you invite me on? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. No, oh, I'll definitely have your dad on because you know what? His story about immigrating to the United States would be amazing to hear. Yeah. Cause that, that one time I was in a drive, I was driving from Santa, Santa Maria to Los Banos with your dad one time. And he shared that story and it blew my mind. I was like, wow, I am the worst scum of the earth. I'm so privileged. <laughs> He's definitely has a story and even, I don't know all of it. Yeah, it was wild. It was, it was nuts. I was like. Yeah, there was one part where he's talking about like how he's just a little boy in the hills of Mexico protecting a marijuana crop with a pistol. Yeah, and I was I know like, that yeah, I was just like, yo, my uncle is hard. What? <laughs> I can't believe and that. For the purpose of educating and podcasting, he would also harvest the poppy plants for the chemists. Yeah. And you know what they do with that. Obviously. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's yeah. that's just I gotta get I'm I'm definitely gonna get him on I gotta get that story yes. that's a wild story and especially too because like I'm definitely really interested in understanding that area more I feel like it's like I have a, a relationship with the people south of the border obviously being you know of the same origin myself but yeah. I'm American citizen I was born and raised here but I'm just saying you know like people south of the border I definitely identify with so yeah anyways I want to know more of those kinds of things yeah um. 
what what was it that really inspired you to bake though? You know, you said like you just kind of like you just found a good recipe, but was was it what kind of like has been like in the back of your mind that supports the ongoing effort of baking? Uh, one time, remember the house we had that had the pool? Yes. Okay. It was around Christmas time. I was either 11 or 12, and my mom, it was like Christmas Eve. She had to go shopping. And she's like, okay, well, you know, here's what we're going to bake. Um, you can get it started. I'll help you when they get back. I did it all by myself. Wow. Every, brownies, chocolate chip cookies, sugar cookies, all of it. And ever since then, I took over, and um, my mom used to cheat and buy the bag. I'm changed everything from scratch nice. um, because baking is like my marathon like yeah if i was working like a regular nine to five job i'd always take like the 23rd off before because it takes a lot of time you know i bake too many cookies um so i've always had a passion for it i've always loved to bake um always been real particular i remember being in college and having roommates and they'd be like oh you're making cookies I'm like yeah oh can i help and i'm like sure yeah <laughs> just don't ruin my recipe yeah Right, because I very particular. Even to this day, like if Olivia wants to help, I'll like pre-measure things out, and then be like, "Okay, like dump this bowl into the mixer. Okay, now dump this one," because I just can't. It's a control thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's what I'm happy. Like I remember when I was making the Valentine's cakes, took the day off, that a day off of work, because I was I loved my boss. I loved what I was. No, I didn't love what I was doing. Loved who I worked for. But I had more joy taking that day off and baking for like 13 hours straight then I did going and getting good money. Yeah. And I, I, can't, I can't do this. And then like, I was like, you know what? With the world ending, but better time, but now. Yeah. Even if I'm struggling, like, you know, thank God I, you know, moved back home. I'm with my parents. Like I, you know, they'll help me until I told my mom, I'm going to be like a legit Mexican girl and not leave until I'm married. <laughs> so yeah. stuck with me. So that happens. And, uh, so it's the best opportunity. And I've been able to grow the last, what, April, May, June, July, like five months being at home. I've like learning new things, learning new techniques. And yeah. it's just really stemmed from being a little girl. And like the last two years, it's really kicked it into high gear for me. Yeah, I feel the same way. I had my friend Ryan on and he talked about starting his own business. Uh, he has a lawn care business and he kind of talked about like just the freedom that he has that it affords him to be able to take care of his kids, help his wife out because she works full time. His wife works full time too. And then like he does his lawn care business and has another job. And he just said it's it just being a business owner has given him a lot of opportunities to, to be able to be there more for his kids, like pick them up from school, you know, go grocery shopping and stuff. And, and I considered that myself too. I'm like, man, man, that sounds very appeasing. So what, you know, I wonder what self-employment looks like, you know, eventually mm -hmm. down the line, who knows if that's something that I, I ever get into, but yeah, I see a lot of people making that, making that, that, that switch like why should i do this for somebody else why can't i do it for me right and i that's something i agree with because i just you know i'm just you know you, it's this weird thing like i don't know i guess business owners are just always kind of always people that start business always say that that once they it was scary at first when they started but like they would they never regret it you know right kind of hear that a lot so you know, I'm, I'm, I imagine that's kind of like how it felt for you going transitioning from a normal job to like, I'm going to, you know, yeah. I'm going to follow this. Yeah, definitely. Um, but like I said, it's like everyone says it, it is rewarding because you're doing what you're passionate about. You're doing it on your terms. And at the end of the day, you really only have to worry about yourself getting it done. Yeah. 
Well, that's cool. Uh, um, so, uh, what what is Tasha Bakes' current like biggest uh, achievement or accomplishment? Because I'm I, I follow your Instagram, and I know I've I've also I seen when you got your your art for your Instagram, and I was like, oh, dang, someone big time now! Oh, look out! <laughs> so the art my friend had that made for me. Wow. The surprise, because uh, she's I've known her since high school, and she's like, I'm just so proud of you, and. She said, I really know this is what you're meant to do. So I had this made for you. And um, so that was awesome. So my next thing is I'm actually going to um, put it on stickers so I can start labeling all my packaging with it. Nice. Um, but I guess the biggest thing has been, um, well, I have a wedding cake coming up. Wow. At, um, I'm meeting with the bride this Thursday. We're going to do a, testi- a tasting. Wow. So. Um, that's a because that's like a big foot in the door, especially here on the Central yeah. Coast. We attract people from all over the state for weddings. Right, and, exactly. Um, our step uncle has a catering company, and our Thea Kathleen likes a lot of my stuff. So maybe in the future, you know, I could business. partner with them. Yeah, it could be a good business opportunity. You never know. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel with the podcast. I kind of thinking like if this develops into a, a larger audience, I would definitely go ahead and look at you know, paid promotion as far as like if someone wants, they have a business, online business or whatever, you know, I'd definitely look into that. But obviously right now it's just way too early. I get, I, I get all into my dreams and I make these, you know, calculations in my head. And uh, so it's, I think it's better for me just to not, not think about the future that far for myself. <laughs> but um, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Wedding cake. Wow. That's awesome. I know you got a chance to try the cupcakes at my wedding. My yes. other cousin on my dad's side, they were, they have a bakery in Morgan Hill. Uh, it used to be called the Morgan Hill bakery, but they changed it. They started just strictly doing more wedding cakes and so they did do bread. They had a really good, uh, a rye bread and a mm-hmm. rosemary bread recipe. Those were so good. I remember yeah. as a kid, my mom worked the front desk. She worked the front counter at the bakery and after school, this sounds like one of those old timey stories, right? <laughs> My, my mother worked at the bakery and uh, um, after school as a young child I'd walk over to the bakery and I'd get myself a fresh slice of the rye bread and spread some butter on it um, that's it was kind of like it was interesting because like I would do that I did actually walk to my, my mom's work after school and actually go get like yeah. you know they did thumbprints and all kinds of cool stuff but now they do they just do wedding cakes now uh oh yeah but they did they did my they did my cupcakes and stuff and I thought they turned out really it turned out well um but anyways, yeah, um, Tasha Bakes. Um, so where do you see Tasha Bakes going in the future? Yeah. So right now my first goal um, would be I want a food truck. Wow, that'd be awesome. Goods. Um, and especially here I have I can drive it, you know, all the way from San Luis to like Carpinteria, all these little beach towns on the way. So I think that'd be really great. Um, but like 10 years from now, I hope to have like an establishment, serve coffee, baked goods. Um, a and also and mortar. Do, yeah. And also do like a custom, you know, cakes, cupcakes, things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I've always been interested in like little cupcake coffee shops. It's like my, I guess there's yeah. a little bit of like, has that haberdashery feel to it. <laughs> so that's kind of like there's a place here in Riverside that I actually go to a lot called um oh my goodness I'm trying to remember Isabella's cupcakes it's in the it's in the Canyon Crest shopping center for those of you guys that are in the Riverside area 
um, check it out. They have a lot of keto options. I've been doing keto. Hopefully you can tell that I'm slimming down. <laughs> just, uh, but I've been doing keto. Thank you. I was doing keto for a while and uh, I've been doing it and they have keto co- chocolate chip cookies there and, and brownies. And so I just go over there and buy, you know, five or six of them at a time and take advantage of it because they're so good. They're just so good. There's a cupcake place I went to once um, at the Mission Hotel in Riverside. Oh, you've been uh, there. Wow, awesome. Yeah, my roommates took me out there. They're like, you've never been there when I was in Azusa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was really nice. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, the downtown area is really nice. I really wish this COVID situation just, oh, man, I wish it got better. It's just, it's been such a bummer because the downtown area of Riverside was kind of jumping. You know, they have a good, there's a good venue down there where there's a lot of live bands play. That hasn't been going on. And there's a lot of community outreach. They have a, usually have like a, um, like a farmer's market there too. Um, but I, I don't think that's been going on and it just seems kind of apocalyptic when I go downtown. Now. <laughs> oh man. Um, anyways, I thought, um, Tasha bakes. Um, so right now, like you're saying, it's, it's more, it's kind of started as like a side hustle is kind of what I'm understanding. Yes. Nice. So you yes. start up. Side hustle. And that just kind of has turned into like a, a passion that you know, you've discovered as starting off as a side hustle. Yes. And, you know, some weeks are busier than others. So this week's pretty slow. Um, I just had like really the tasting schedule, but if anyone usually ask people, just give me 24 hour notice if you want something and I'll whip it up. Um, so what I started doing is in those slow weeks, my new side hustle is a DoorDash driver. Oh, what? Nice. I'm really enjoying that. I can, you know, do it on my terms. Um, right now, I really, if I, I've only done it like two weeks and I work maybe two or three week, two or three nights a week and it's like a hundred bucks. Nice. Six hours of work. So that's, you know, a hundred extra dollars I didn't have at home, you know, just sitting at home. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's like my new like side hustle to like the side hustle. I'm trying to really make a full time. Right. Like, thriving business yeah oh man that's brilliant that's so exciting i'm so glad that you're i'm, I'm excited for you that that's what you're doing because it seems like yeah, it's just it's an exciting time you know it's like this is my this yeah. is my ship and i'm sailing it you know what i'm saying <laughs> that's what it feels like that's what it sounds yeah. like and it i'm just like wow that's exciting news for me for me to hear especially for you because i've i mean i think me and you are the same we are the kind of people that we cannot be tied down to like a a, a thing that will just box us in right Right. And it's so funny because we are, obviously we share a birthday. Yeah. First of all. And I tell my mom, like, I know with astrology, we grew up, but very like, we don't believe in it. And yeah. All. We grew up very religious for you listeners. <laughs> but I tell my mom, I can't help it. But to see, sometimes I'll see something like, like oh, this is a trait of a Sagittarius. I'm like, yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> us. Yes. Yes. Oh man. Like, we befriend everybody. <laughs> Sagittarius don't like commitment, but they'll do it if you allow them to be free. Yes. And I've been with my boyfriend for four and a half years, and I went to Europe by myself with my friends. I went to Hawaii to go see my best friend. Like, I go to concerts without him. He, I get that freedom, whereas other girls would be, their boyfriends wouldn't allow that. Yeah. Like, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I, ex- exactly. Yeah. No, I tell, yeah. I tell my wife the same thing, but I'm just like, let me be free. Um, yeah. She's she, she don't want me to be free though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. When's her birthday? <laughs> she's actually December. She's uh she's Capricorn? De- yeah. So she's on the other end of it. But um 
Oh man. Um, no, I get which I totally get you about the astrology thing. I, I've grown, I grew up in a religious house. We both did, you know. Um, but I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that upbringing. I actually really appreciate it now that I'm a little older. I'm kind of like, uh, I probably would have been like involved in some kind of gang activity if I didn't, you know, my parents didn't kind of put that around or put that in my life, maybe, you know. I probably would have been a witch. I'm again not a witch, but I probably. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like look at my crystals. Would you like me to read your tarot cards today? Yeah, no, no, I I totally get you because like there's yeah. there's just some if if it hadn't have been for how my parents raised me, then like especially being from a Hispanic you know Latino like household, like there yeah. you get some off the wall traditional things that you would have never expected, and then you tell somebody like here's one. My wife and has exposed this lie to me that I've been believing my entire <laughs> life, right? Huh. Um, was that you would catch a cold if your hair was wet when you'd go outside. Okay. Yep. And this is a huge lie. <laughs> or in the shower and don't put socks on right away. Yes. Yes. That This was a huge lie, right? That our, our parents had falsely made up um, <laughs> to protect us, though, just to protect us. But um, but we believe them our entire lives are culturalized. I mean, you could hear this. My wife does actually the work that she works in. Um, she has to interview a lot of uh, a lot of um, children for the study that she's working with, and one of the th- or, I'm sorry, some of the somebody in her lab that she works with has to interview children, and um, about, you know different ethnics and stuff. And the Hispanic Latino community, this is a reoccurring lie that they pitch to these people doing the study is that their hair wet causes them <laughs> to get cold, have a cold, right? And you think about that and any, any, any like modern day science tells you, no, that's not how you catch a cold, you know? And for my entire life growing up, I was like, oh, you can't go outside with, with your hair wet. You'll get a cold, you know? And, right. um, but that's not how, that's not how a cold actually works. <laughs> no, it's going to get on the female side of things. I'm sorry if you're squeamish, but no heavy lifting on your period. But that is not science. I yeah. see these girls, like still doing like their deadlift weights, and they're just like, yeah, you know, you might want to just like bring your like weights down, but you can still do it. But my mom, you can't move furniture when you're on your period. I'm like, is it gonna? Why? Well, you don't want to mess anything up when you want to have a baby one day. Like, the Mexican end goal for their daughters is baby. Right. Yeah. Protect the baby. <laughs> don't do anything to stop yes. having. Yes. So that was, and that's a lie. Cause I like looked it up. I'm like, wait, is this even a thing? Yeah. <laughs> but then I'd go up my whole life. Like I can't move that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Give me three more days and then I can move it. <laughs> oh my God. God, that's funny, man. It's funny. It's funny. We mentioned, we mentioned, you know, growing up Hispanic or growing up in Latino mm-hmm. Mexican household, uh, which brings me to my next question, because this is kind of like, you know, you hear me even stumbling at even trying to identify mm-hmm. in like what really kind of like what we are, what what I am. And right. uh, these words like Hispanic, Latino, mm-hmm. um, Chicano is what I'm more familiar with, I guess, in California. You might be more familiar with Chicano. And then now there's this more re- newer term called Latin X. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it would be awesome to maybe talk to you about this i feel like you know like i talked to you earlier before we even started the podcast i said you know you're i felt like you were one of the only relatives that i could speak to that was possibly woke in this area that would actually be informed to speak about the latinx or latino um identifying aspect of the conversation Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so are you latina hispanic chicana 
Mexican Latinx? What, which, how does you, how does that work for you? For me, I would personally say I identify as like Chicana because I feel like that still encompasses the fact that I am Mexican American. I don't feel like Mexicana. I wasn't born in Mexico, but I am Mexican. My dad, you know, I'm first generation on my dad's side. Yeah. Uh, the Chicana just has that feel of I'm still connected to that culture, but I also am American. And uh, but I don't know if that's just a California term because I don't know. I, I listen to a lot of different uh, podcasts. I do watch a lot of different uh, let Spanish or Latino or Latinx shows, whatever you want to yeah, call exactly, it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. more like Chicana, because it's like, yes, I, I'm rooted in my culture, but there's also a separate Chicano culture here in California. Um, some might even reference it as like the Chola or Cholo culture. Yes. That's different. And, you know, our moms, they grew up a little gangster. A little gangster. <laughs> you know, instead of having the Rangeras playing for me Sunday mornings while cleaning or Saturday, it was... Uh, Smoky, you know, Smoky, the Miracles. Yes. Uh, SOS band, things like that, like the old school. Yes, Bretton Wood. Bretton, oh, I love Bre Yeah. That's my go to. I remember my mom had his 18 greatest hits in the cassette. I can, like, see the cover. Is it the green car? I, no, it's the one where it's the blue and he's holding the microphone. He's standing. It's his 18, like. Okay, the, I think I can remember that, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's the culture that, you know, the hoops and. <laughs> Yes. But you know what's yeah. so awesome about that? This is awesome about that, though, is like when I um, I recently discovered that like Japanese um, that there is like a, a weird like influx of like Japanese that really identify with the Chicano Cholo Chola culture. And yes. they absolutely they do like they do it even better. Like it's so you look at the I've looked at their pictures of the cars and look at how some of these Japanese women wear the hoops and do their makeup. I was like, damn. Mm -hmm. She, see the hey, uh, little New smiley. <laughs> New York Times did a video in Japan. It's like a fifteen minute like short documentary on it. And I was amazed yeah. by it. I'm like, yeah, they just took it and they made it better. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did a really good job with it. Yeah. They made it like an iPhone, basically. <laughs> basically. <laughs> but yeah, so for me I think it is like the Chicana culture because I am proud to grew up in this country that it is such a melting pot that you have a little bit of everything like growing up I had friends who were white I had friends who were black you know uh, even mixed friends you know just friends that were mixed, mixed. yeah friends that were mixed and um, being able to like accept everybody whereas I feel like if I would maybe would have grown up in Mexico that would have been a little bit different yeah Cause in Mexico has their own issues with um including their own countrymen. <laughs> yes, very much so. And I, I, uh, I kind of, I've, I've experienced it myself a little bit, you know, being someone who doesn't speak Spanish as a primary language, although I do know like some of the swear words and some of the dishes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't, my puppy's just ran, my puppy just ran the room with his friend. Oh gosh, they have a blast now. Um, hey guys, settle down, settle down. <laughs> um, anyways, but, I sort of, um, I kind of fall into this whole entire like miss, miss, uh, like missed area because, 
you know, you mm-hmm. feel like you're the people who are brown that are supposed to be like your friends that are Mexican or anything that are supposed to be, uh, you know, supportive of you. But there's right. sort of like a because of the language barrier, you're not seen as a fully fledged person who understands where they came from. And mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm sure you probably experience this at a different level because I'm personally I know I'm I'm five five generations removed from a connection from Mexico specifically mm-hmm. you know on both sides of the family for me um yeah. but I wonder what it's like for you being a first generation American and not necessarily being seen as truly Mexican because of the fact that you are American you're born yeah. here in America what are your thoughts yeah. on that so definitely I can actually stem it like I let me go through a quick history of that and you know my first I guess um moment I guess, of racism I experienced was when I was in I was in kindergarten and one of my classmates told me I couldn't go to her birthday party because I was a different skin color than her well her dad was uh straight from Mexico like my dad but she her mom was white so she would just came out really really pale but my girl like no yeah <laughs> I was like what and I didn't share that story for a long time but like looking back at it mom's like she had no business telling you that because she was just as Mexican as you are like, well, in color, she didn't see herself that way, but her dad was just like my dad straight from the border. Um, and then after that, just for me in high school, because I grew up in the school district, I grew up in, I did have more friends who were white or, you know, maybe Mexican. I had like one black friend. She was like the one black girl in school. We were friends. And, um, the kids who were a little bit more authentically Mexican who lived in uh, with a little town where a lot of the huge Mexican culture, I didn't really fit in with them because they did speak, you know, Spanish. My dad didn't teach us Spanish because we're American. We live in America. We don't live in Mexico. Um, But as I got older, I moved out, went to college. I met, you know, people who grew up like me who were Hispanic or Mexican and didn't embrace it i met those who were and who super embraced and who taught me they kind of brought me under their wing that way but yes we did have grew up i didn't know a few phrases here or there we did listen to gente and selena and all of that you know we were proud that we did have that culture but as far as diving deeper into it no and then when i got my first big girl job after moving back home it was an apartment complex where 90 percent of the population only speak Spanish. Wow. So I learned apartment Spanish. So, you know, I could sit down and, hola, como estas? ¿Cuántos de cámaras? You know, wow. well, okay. La renta es mil, deposito es cinco, whatever it was, you know. Yeah. No más, you know, cinco personas para un apartamento con dos cámaras, da, da, da. Like, yeah. para gas, la luz, agua, all of that. Like, I, I learned it. Yeah, and I was able to go off the apartment and talk about every all the features. Go do it, do it all. Help them fill out the applications, um, and I was able to meet my friend Juan, who we had gone to high school together. But he ran with the crowd that was more than from Guadalupe. That's a small town near us. Yeah, yeah. Um, the more authentic so through, crowd, right? Yeah, yeah. And through him, I was able to, you know, kind of dive deeper into that and learn more and uh then i met my boyfriend and he's guatemalan and mexican so there was more culture thrown at me whereas tell me about it because guatemalan exactly you talk about being mexican and then you talk about being guatemalan 
You yes. know, you don't talk oh. about being Mexican and Guatemalan, you know, it's, or maybe for him he does. But I mean, like in the Latino Hispanic community, like those are strong. Those are words if you mistake, you know. Right. <laughs> exactly. No. And that's what it is. And that's where a lot of like, first of all, you have your diversity in Mexico, which yeah. is crazy. And then there's like a fight between Mexicans, Central Americans and those who, who are in the Caribbean. Yeah. There's like, and I think going back to Latinx, I think that's why that was created because we are, we're all encompassed under being Hispanic, mm-hmm. but not necessarily all Latino. Exactly. Because technically the Spanish are Hispanic too, because they come from a Spanish speaking country. Right. If it wasn't for them, none of us would be speaking Spanish, and but also if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have had our indigenous cultures ruined. <laughs> Right. And that, that's, I think, like yeah. Brazil, I think, is like one of these weird offshoots where it, you're not Hispanic, right. you but are like, Latino, but you're not Hispanic. Yeah. yeah. Look, or people say I look Pacific Islander, so, um, which I'm cool with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just saying, Jace Momoa, The Rock, those guys, that's my, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm, I'm going with that vibe. <laughs> no, side note on that. My, when I first got my dog, she ran out, and the person who found her, they have a husky too, so we became walking partners. Yeah. It was our third or fourth time walking. She's like, wait, you're Mexican? I'm like, yeah. She's like, girl, I thought you were like Pacific Islander Hawaiian this whole time. Yes. Like, it's the chunkiness, huh? Yes. It's the round features in the face, you know? Mm-hmm. We, Me and you both share the round features in the face, and I get it all the time. I always get it all the time. You're Pacific Islander. A lot of times right. they come up to me like, what's up, brother? And I'm like, what's up, dude? And oh. I just I just respond, yeah, what's up, dude? You know, like, because I'll, I'll hang, you know? <laughs> when I went to Hawaii, I fit in more there with the locals than I do in California. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. It's so funny. Um, but, yeah, that kind of goes back to this the question being about like, what do you identify as? And being Chicano is kind of something that I I identify with too, because it's, you know, my dad growing up, he'd always talked about Mexican car culture and, you know, Mm -hmm. the car clubs in Eastside San Jose growing up was where my dad's from. My mom, you know, she, you know, my mom uh, moved from Santa Maria where you're from moving up there and exposed her, I guess, to that. But my mom, she always talked about being like actively involved in like protests, like joining the La Raza movement with like Cesar Chavez and all those things. And I remember at a young age, my mom, she, it's funny as she did, she did this, she actually gave us, a, I don't know if you know what the Welga flag is. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Um, she gave my sister and I those flags and we were mm-hmm. in the front of our house in the east side of San Jose, marching around in a little circle in our yard, pretending to, to, you know, to demonstrate, you know, yeah. we're here for the farmers unions and we want to stick up for the rights of all these laborers that are out here in the fields and stuff. Like we would be out there <laughs> pretending to do that. As as children, my mom would have us out there doing that, and um, and so it was a really it's one of these things where I think a lot of Latino, Hispanic, Mexican um, citizens that come to the United States, you know, they don't realize the fact that I, my family, my mom and dad, like they've they raised us to you know fight for the people, fight for the like we've always been involved in some sort of you know growing up I was in I was the president of the LULAC chapter for the youth in, you know, the Central Valley. Well, actually more like Merced County. And it was, um, LULAC is a league of United Latin Americans, if you don't know. 
Mm-hmm. And I used to be a vice president and president of the the youth club that we had in, locally. And we'd fundraise money. We'd host um, we'd host like these these collegiate events where we'd have different colleges and um, skill or trade schools come and offer um, students opportunities to like be exposed to it, right? Especially the Latino Hispanic community. That was something that we wanted to do locally because in Los Banos, it's primarily migrant workers and children that are you know that are brown that are that are out there it's that's a mm-hmm. predominant um group of people demographic there in that city and there seemed to be little representation when it comes to uh, allocating support and resources towards that group even though they happen to be the largest group in the town mm-hmm. so that was something that my mom she saw that right away and was like no nah, i ain't gonna stand for this and right away she went back to work <laughs> protesting and getting us involved in everything so we obviously got involved in it um but <laughs> You know, I talk, we were talking about these like different titles and stuff because at one point in my life I started getting rejected for not, you know, speaking the language, but also because, and because of that, I decided that I was just going to say, you know, sayonara to my brown heritage mm-hmm. and I didn't want anything to do with it. Um, and this is kind of foolish and kind of like dumb of me to kind of have this argument, but um, it was my experience. You know, I just kind of thought, well, if I can't, if I can't even represent or even, be accepted by my own people that I might as well just reject them was like, right. my, was one of my thoughts. And, um, I don't know if, I don't know if any other, you know, Mexican people or Brown people feel like that. I don't know if you've ever kind of felt that way at sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, uh, I think I feel like now more than ever, it's, I've wanting to reconnect with it, you know, right. like I mentioned my friend Chachi and him just being able to own his heritage and like, it'd be cool. And like, I would mm-hmm. try to do that and mimic it, but then it would look foolish because I just, it's kind of awkward. It just looked like that guy is not real. It's, I don't know how you, I don't know how you, I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of people. Yeah. Um, like for me, like I grew up in a school district, my parents purposely moved us when I was in kindergarten for the school district because they knew it had better funds for students. And, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of Mexican or Brown kids. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and it's not like I ever rejected it, but, when in high, in high school, it felt like it rejected me. Yeah. Because I didn't speak the language. I wasn't in Flocorico, which is, you know, the Mexican dance. Or my brother was his last year, but. Um, That's my parents so weird. Never, <laughs> yeah. He, well, he was, he did the Marimba, the band. Uh, but my parents never pushed it on us. They never, you know, pushed us to get that in depth with the culture. I remember I would be, you know, when grandma was still alive and, oh, grandma, you had to play Mexican music. Like, yeah. you know. No, my dad, he would show us Elvis and the Beatles, like it, <laughs> the Eagles. Like he would never really said, oh, hey, come listen to this. Yeah. Uh, and I remember I was always attracted to white men. That was like my thing. Like give me a good Jewish white guy on a good day like that. Yeah, the Michael Sarahs of the world. Yes. Shia LaBeouf as in even Steven. Oh, my him. God. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> oh, I'm a huge fan, man. I'm just a fan. I'm a fan of so, all his work. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I, I, I get you. I get you. I had the same thing. You know, I had the same thing. I liked, you know, I liked light skinned women. That was something that I, you know, I, you know, just because I felt like it was kind of ingrained, maybe. Right. But for me, when I went to college, it was like scarce to see a Latin man. Yeah. You know? And I remember there's this little market and it was like a little shopping center, like in a triangle that was between two roads. And a lot of the, like, cause it was a predominantly white school. They're like, oh, we don't go there. That's scary. I'm like, I went there, and the owner would give me free things. He was, <laughs> and he would be like, 
oh, mija, you know, my son's away at school, and I know your parents, you know, if they saw my son, they would treat him the same way. So I'd get free tacos. Like, oh, my God. In the, and, like, maybe want to cry. He didn't even know me, but because I was Mexican. Yeah. He's like, I, let me help her out. I'm like, dude. So then they're, you know, like, the last guy I was talking to before I moved back home, he was Mexican in Guatemalan. And I was like, that was, like, the first guy ever I'd ever liked that was that breed. Yeah. And then I come home, and now I'm, you know. The one I'm with now, he's Mexican in Guatemala. <laughs> so it was almost like a newfound love of my culture because, you know, I'm like, it is rare. It is beautiful yeah. to be Mexican, to have this culture. And we're from a state that is heavily influenced by, you know, Mexico. And it's something that I've learned to understand being like, this was our land with the Native Americans first. Yes. Like we were Native too. Like yeah. Baja California was part of it. We were. We were, These indigenous people. Yes. This was our land. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mexico, of course, we took it over, but as indigenous people, not as the Spaniards. Yeah. And then the Spaniards were the ones who really came in and ruined it for everyone. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I, I've grown to like love that. So like, if anyone ever now that I'm older makes me feel belittled, I'm like, no, this was my land first. Yeah. Like. You know, this tierra was ours. Like, our ancestors probably, like, we don't even know how far back. But exactly, yeah. This is it. And, you know, for we did 23 and me, me and my mom and my dad. And I got, like, 49% Native American, which for me I highly understood is more like the Mexico region. Yeah, exactly. Which is not recognized in the United States, which is sad. Yeah. And, um, but my mom, it's so funny because hers is, she's more European in her ancestry than she is. Wow. <laughs> Um, like that makes sense though, because her we're on their their fifth gen, you know, I think we're the fifth generation. We're fifth generation American on their side. Yeah. On their side, so they're like knee deep into this. Like, you know, my boyfriend's mom was surprised. She's like, "Oh, what are you?" I'm like on my mom's side, we're fifth generation. She's like, yeah. "Oh my gosh!" I'm like, "Yeah." Like, yeah. oh, I had a teacher in high school who at one time asked me, like, oh, Tasha, where are your grandparents from? I'm like, oh, well, my grandma was born in Oxnard and my grandpa was born here in Santa Maria. She's like, oh, well, what students, were, you know, grandparents were born in Mexico. Like, was she fishing? Like, <laughs> yeah. profiled me. Yeah. Profiled me. Up. And I was like, girl, she did it again. Put you on blast. Oh, live. I'm like, oh, I live in Orchid. Oh, which kids live in Guadalupe, which is the, you know, predominantly Mexican town. I'm like, just because I'm Mexican doesn't mean I'm from yeah. a Mexican town, but... Um, I think we could probably check off. Exactly. But not, hey, we're Chumash. We're over here. Like, well, you know, remember when you guys, when I was a kid, I would tell you guys, yeah, like we're like indig, like we're Aztec. And, like, yes. Like princess. <laughs> but I got my DNA test back, and I'm 100 percent that princess. Okay. Yes, you that. <laughs> I am that. But that's the closest thing, and I would be pissed off if I was like Chumash or from like um the Sioux tribe. I'm like, no, this, yeah. this bitch ain't that. <laughs> she ain't that. Exactly. <laughs> like she did not grow up. Like she's not in the commercial crying tears. Cause there's trash everywhere. Like, yes. Like your battles, that wall get away from ours. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. Exactly. And this is some, so this is a thing. It's like, I've grown up my entire life. Every legal document, yeah. there's an other opportunity there for you. You know? Yeah. You, you write in Chicano or whatever. You write in whatever most identifies with you. Latino, you know, yeah. Hispanic, one of those things. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I find it strange that it's not 
there's no race to classify really a race to classify, uh, you know, that group of people, the Latino Hispanic group of people. And right. even on top of that, if you look at, um, people that are in the area considered middle East, you know, they, they're relegated to either Asian or, you know, white North African or, or black, you know, South African or something like that. Some crazy offshoot. Right. right. And they don't get their representation either. And I feel like there's a, a distinction there that maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm crazy for trying to think that there's a, there should be a distinction there, but I find that I find that a lot of people, a lot of my friends that were, you know, considered from one of the, from one of the Middle East countries, not able to understand what to identify either. Right. So, um, but because, yeah, like, what are you going to put? Like what you, there's a lot of groups involved in that, you know, and stuff. And, um, and traditionally you've just kind of been like sliced up and kind of like put into like those little, those little pockets, you know? And you're like, uh, well, what if I'm in like, I'm kind of the circle that hits three of them, like, you know, or, you know, so, and maybe all three of those groups of individuals maybe should be one or something, who knows? Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's just, it's confusing at times. And, um, Mm -hmm. do you, what is your thoughts on, because here's another thing too, like here's, so go back to the Latinx thing, you know, mm-hmm. our government not being able to identify us or giving us an option to would that would feel more personal to us to identify with. This is what the government, the U.S. government has done This is what these are. The, these are the if you Google it, they'll tell you what is what we fall under. They'll tell you that we can choose from these options where at a social level we would never be considered or accepted in those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but this goes back to the Latinx question because I feel like maybe this could be a, an answer to something that that we're that we're playing with today and I feel like maybe there's a reason why we haven't seen any steam rolling towards it cuz um, I don't know if you if you've seen this but I I sent it to you in your notes that there was a 2017 ABC article um, that mentioned that the Latino community doesn't really support the, the global commu- community doesn't really support the word Latinx, but you see more of it on high on college campuses here in the United States. And you start seeing more of an uptick around it, around the, the Philando, the night, the pulse nightclub shooting, you start right. to see an uptick on this word Latinx. And, um, so my question is, do you think that this is something that like, maybe a strategy that could be implemented to help be more inclusive of, or what are your thoughts on the Latino and Hispanic community, the greater global community? Uh, like, what are your thoughts on them not adopting or should we adopt? Should this be something that, cause I don't know, it feels strange. Like, I feel like I may kind of have been given an option that I never wanted. If that makes sense too. I don't know. Um, for me, when I first saw it, my question was why? But then I understand that everything in the Spanish language is gendered. It's either he or she. Right. So you're Latino or you're Latina. And so I kind of said, okay, well, maybe they're they're filling in the gaps for those who just want to be other. They yeah. are, um, they don't identify, they're non-binary, you know? And that if you're a non-binary person, then that's perfect for you. Right. Latinx, because it's like, well, you know, there's no term for non-binary in it, it it basically overrules the patriarchal sort of subtext right. in the Spanish language. Yes. So I get that. I, I'm all for that. If you don't want to identify as either, then there's now a word for you, which right. is perfect. Um, I listened to a 
Latinx podcast, and they started adopting that. They adopted it because, of course, they want to be all inclusive. You know, we're all PC these days. Yes. But yeah, it was confusing at first, um, but I don't think there's anything wrong if you still want to be like, I'm Latina or I'm Latino. Like, there's still nothing wrong because that's how you identify. I am a female Latin woman. Yeah. Um, but I still think that really at the end of the day, each Latinx culture is different. So really in my perfect world, you would put, I am Mexican. I am Peruvian. I am Dominican. I am Puerto Rican. Because even though we all share the same story, we all got invaded. We all got Spanish that way. Yeah. Um, we still have these different cultural aspects. So like that podcast I listened to, the main host is Dominican. So there's words that she'll use with her either like, like her, uh, their boricua, that's what they call them. Uh, Sufrito or something like that. She ever dropped that? Stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, oh shoot, I never knew that, but that's yeah. central like to them. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Cause there's probably stuff in the Mexican culture that they're like, like, I don't know. I don't even know if they have the word like pocho or pocha. Yeah. Just those exactly. Who, you know, that's what we would be called. That's what we would be called as as Chicanos from California. We would be called, that's another word that we've been given by our own, you know, by other fellow Mexicans. They will call you that. (laughs) So I still feel like there's numerous ways to include us all. And I just feel like on the other hand, it's Latinx is great for those who are non-binary because you don't want to be gendered. But on the other hand, it's just throwing us all under one category, and that's not it. We have the Afro-Latino community yeah. who can barely fit into a the community. regular life. Yeah, because, you know, as far as I know, growing up, Mex- Mexicans do have beef with black people. I and, do not know why. Yeah. It's, it is, it's, it's not just, you know, our family. I've seen it in many Mexican families yeah. across the there's a common joke in in Mexican in the Mexican community where your grandma would make fun of your cousins for dating a black man. You know, they they'd tell you they'd make fun of your they'd make fun of your your cousin, but don't be like your cousin who's right. dating that who's dating that black man. They they would make those kind. Of, this is a common joke in the Mexican community, and I don't mean yeah. to say this to start racial things, but there's a misconception that brown people are not racist, and that's not true. <laughs> I mean, especially no, the, in my in my in in the Mexican community. Remember when all those YouTube videos? Oh, you know, you know, you're Latino, or you know, you're a Mexican. When it's like your sister brings home her black boyfriend, and he's like, "Oh, I'm Dominican." Yes. Like he's, that he's, you know, one of the Afro Latinos to appease the family. Yeah. And so it is a running joke, but it's the truth, and uh, it's like we're both people of color who have been, you know, we've been beat up for no reason. We have. Even to this day, I still feel like there's, I was at Walmart and I had my mask on and I was grabbing, this man was standing in front of the chocolate I needed, my baker's chocolate, but he was looking at the shelf next to it. So oh I just creeped behind him real quick, grabbed what I needed and was walking out like fast, like not even maybe a 30 second thing. And the wife was like, six feet. I'm like, I just grabbed what I needed and left. Bye. And it was a Karen basically. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, girl. I'm not coughing on you. I have a mask. I'm like, you know, I'm probably a lot more safe than you are. I have three hand sanitizers in my purse at all times. Like, (laughs) Lysol in my truck. Like, Yes. Yeah. So, there's just, 
it's it sucks to see that because we have so much hate on ourselves, but you know, on ourselves, but you know, hate towards us, and then we go and give it back. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly, and that's the one thing I'm, 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 I'm. Hopefully, I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more of that in the, in, in my, my fellow, Latino Hispanic comrades and <laughs> like to see a little bit more of that that change of a leaf you know where you we start seeing you know the a little bit more honest about it because you know like this whole entire thing of blm and um and you i see a lot of posts where it's like latinos for blm and i'm like you know I, i'm glad to see these because historically that's not been the case right and historically you know there's you know i can i can count on my hand I mean, on both hands, I can count on on instances where I've seen that sort of thing happen in my own family. You know, Mexicans right. being racist towards you know black people, and so I'm glad that's something that you talked about because it is it is a it is a fallacy that you know that needs to be exposed that you know brown people aren't you know aren't racist, but we you know we certainly have our we have to be responsible for what we've participated in. Um, right. And I'm glad that that's something that's kind of surfacing, and I and I hope that we continue to make those those progressive movements towards wanting to realize, you know, like what are the traditions that we have in our culture that we, that exploit, you know, uh, other people that at their, we, you know, that their expense, we have these jokes that are traditional to us, you know, mm-hmm. that is common. And we just walk over, you know, like, it's funny. I forget, I forget his name, but I was listening to this comedian and he, and he made, he referenced a thing about how, how, um, when, when Mexicans, um, talk about Asian people, they all mm-hmm. categorize them as Chinito, which basically roughly translates to Chinese or like a Chinese guy. Um, yeah. And every Asian, if you just look somewhat Asian, right. you are thrown into that group, that people group, right? And it except is kind of, except Filipinos, because we're down with them. <laughs> they are us. They are us. They're from yeah. the same like regional area around the equator, you know? And they got invaded too. That's why they all have last names like Santos and Ramirez. Hernandez, as well. yes, exactly. <laughs> Except for the on, Filipinos, no. they feel it. They the Filipinos know it's struggle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But, but yeah, it's something that you know that that we he he talked about in his in his mm-hmm. uh in his stand up, and I was busting up laughing about it because it's true. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, I, I I don't know how many times like my brother. He, you know, you know how Luke looks. My brother looks Asian. He's Mexican. My brother's Mexican, but he kind of has this this slight sort of Filipino look to him. Where people have to, you know, he's like us. He can kind of blend in. Not necessarily Pacific Islander because he's lighter than us, but yeah. only because he's a lighter than us. People confuse yeah. him with Filipino and Asian, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is funny. <laughs> um, people, there's a common misconception that Mexicans are getting all the funding to go to school. Apparently, you yeah. know. And um, I know this is kind of that this may this may be a shocker to some people, but um, some of us didn't get any money to go to school like me. I couldn't ever qualify to get any money to go to school. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't accepted for any sort of FAFSA, couldn't get any of any of that kind of funding. Um, And so maybe I wonder if this is something that like maybe you've shared experience with where um, you're because I know you obviously you went to school, you went to college. Um, What was it like being Latina? Um, and having to kind of deal with that, having to deal with being, having to deal with not really, I guess, the misconception that everything has been afforded to you because you are Latina or you might be right. one of these so-called dreamers or something. Yeah. Well, first, you know, I did have an academic scholarship when I first went, I transferred, um, but I went to a private school 
and so I do have student loans. I am part of that student loan. What is oh, it? Gosh. Right? Yes. Remember right here. Um, so I, I never finished school. It just got too expensive and my parents couldn't do it. And they tried to like pull out money from their 401k to help me finish. And they said they can't back pay school. It only for like a new school semester. So I had to leave. And, um, so it wasn't all handed to me. Like, I struggled, dude. Like I, when I, my parents did as much as they could, but I don't know if they realized how much I struggled. Like definitely had a lot of like, uh, frijoles de olla, yes. Spanish rice, just to, like make it by scrounging up change. Like me and my roommate, like, Oh, we can get a little Caesar's pizza. That'll last us three meals together. <laughs> like it was a struggle. Not everything was handed. And, um, but there is a difference I do see because I am not a dreamer. I'm not part of DACA. Uh, I did see those kids get more money, qualify for real fast, so free money, you know, than I did because my parents, they have their 401ks. They have their study jobs. They worked their lives worked to get to that. Too poor to afford college, but too rich to get any free money for it. Yeah. You no. Know? And um, so for me... I even felt like, like a point, like where I was like, how are these people getting it? They're not even like real Americans, you know? So, because that's the misconception, the misconception is that like, you know, that brown people, if they fill out on their government forms that they're brown, that they're going to get all these extra, you know, bells and whistles. Right. And they don't. And what really changed my perspective is one of my really good friends, they're a DACA kid. And each year they had to fill out an application just to work here have to pay $400 if they drive to the consulate they they don't know if it's going to get approved and if it doesn't then they know they're going back and they pay their taxes they they freaking bought a home they have a car and I'm like you're the American dream and you're not even an American they won't even let you be an American and look at what you're doing I'm like yeah. I'm freaking dude like my whole perspective has changed like meeting that and being more immersed in my culture and meeting these people yeah like for me it's like once I clicked with the culture and really more accepting that I am proud to be where, you know, my ancestry comes from, then I understood it. But then I'm like, you know what? I didn't get all that, but my life took a different path. Yeah. Like I'm not even using my education. Am I intelligent? Yes. Not trying to boast, but I can hold a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like it's so funny because I my brother like laughs at me because yes, I'm a feminist, but, I'm choosing to be in the kitchen all day. Yeah. That is my, that is <laughs> what I'm good at, you know? And yeah, just cause you're Brown doesn't mean you get all the benefits mm -hmm. at the end of the day. It really is like, look at the paperwork they're submitting their parents. When I was in the apartment business too, that helped me learn freaking all the pounds people had to pack in the fields there at freaking four in the morning working till God knows what in the heat. They truly are hard workers and yeah. good thing that their kids are being able to do better and be better. And that's, and, what, I, that's what I say too. Yeah. is like, I feel like, you know, cause I hear these success stories about these kids coming, you know, Mexican family, you know, they mom and dad carry their kids on their back through God knows how long, many miles mm -hmm. through a desert just to get to some little town in Tucson somewhere, you know, mm -hmm. And, and then from there on foot, they see like a Jack in the box out in the distance that they have to go walk to or something, you know, I yeah. hear these stories and it's, it's like, okay, like, you know, like it's tragic. It's very tragic. And then I also think about, I also, it's, it's one of those weird spots though. Cause like, you know, you think like 
I've never had to witness that or actually feel that connection right. to it. Right. But once you start embracing the, like your heritage and the, and, 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 you know, being someone who resembles people South of the border and I see their struggle, my mom talks about our grandmother and how they used to pick in the fields growing up and what mm-hmm. that was like for them. And I can, I can sympathize with them because man, just the very, li- just going, I mean, doing a job outside, working outside under the sky in itself is already an eye opener about like what you're getting yourself into when you have to bend over all day to start picking in these fields. Right. Especially during the heat today, 104, 105, you know, thank God they're out there. They're out there. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, it's one of the things, you know, one of the things I, I remember seeing when I first got unemployed, I kind of took it personal because I'd spoken up about you know, I'd see comments about like, oh, just put, say your last name is Gonzalez and all your forms and you'll get unemployment. Just say, you know, these kinds of comments about like Latino, Hispanic last names. And I'm thinking like, you know, I've grown, I've grown up and I've held a legal job since I was legally able to work, even in mm-hmm. high school, paid taxes, never received a dime. As a matter of fact, I could never qualify for any subsidized insurance under Obamacare. So that was one of the things that I've always, as an American citizen, I've never was able to take apart or fulfill the, you know, the joys of that. You know, I had to always go with privatized insurance and pay, you know, a hefty penny for it because I couldn't qualify, even though an American citizen. To not have insurance and just pay the federal. Exactly. Yes. It's better for you not to have insurance and pay the federal penalty if, because, you know, I got, you know, this is the thing too, is I didn't have a, I, okay, lost my job, had no job, no income, still got denied insurance. And I was like, well, thank you, California. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are things like it's, it's, it's not just because you're, you have a Hispanic last name doesn't mean you're going to get all the bells and whistles, you know? And that was something I made the comment about, about that. And then I instantly, literally, a week later, COVID situation happened. I get fired. And then I have to start, you know, like, well, where am I going to, you know, where am I supposed to find, you know, income and stuff like that? And all of a sudden I, you know, I start to feel guilty because of, you know, the whole entire thing that had happened a week ago mm-hmm. about me making this comment, you know, just right. because you're smacked doesn't mean you get all these benefits and everything. And then I find myself in a position where I'm, I'm the person who needs to request benefits because of the situation I find myself in, you know, right. um, so it's, it's just in a little weird, a little weird, you know, a little weird experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's funny that you mentioned the jack in the box in the distance of someone crossing the border because I have a few friends and them coming over. You're always going to hear about the fast food place they ate out day one. Really? Every story. Yes. And I have friends who actually go back to their anniversary date of them crossing the border and they go wow. back to that restaurant. Wow. Because they say that's the greatest hamburger they've ever had. So two of them actually were Carl Jr. that I know of, of two different friends. Wow. That's like legit a thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Exactly. I think my one of my, my uh, cousins on my dad's side, by marriage, he married into the family. He's from Mexico. And he he crossed the border. And he said the first time he, um, he paid a coyote. And a coyote mm-hmm. is somebody who assists you to get across the border through Border Patrol, right? They give you a route to take. And, um, and then he just, he took him to a certain spot and he just said, do you see that light? It was a gas station or some kind of thing way off in the distance spinning. And he's like, you just keep running towards that. And my cousin said about halfway, halfway through this, like a two mile stretch, he hit a fence. There was a fence that he couldn't see and he just smacked right into it and it cut him up a bit. But, um, but that was the border. And he's like, and I just, I crawled underneath it and that was it, you know? And I just kept going towards that till I, till, you know, until I seen that, that, 
you know, fast food restaurant or whatever. So I've heard that story quite a bit. And it's, yeah. it's just, it's so, it's so bizarre to me. I'm just like, man, yeah. like I can't imagine crossing a border. Like I don't, I don't even, there's no connection in my mind about how to yeah. illegally cross a border. Right. Yeah. And, but when you're put in a situation where you have the cartel destroying your community, like, I don't know mm-hmm. if you hear these, like the stories that I've heard, this is another thing too, about one thing I, this is what makes me compassionate towards these people wanting to cross the border, right? Whether or not mm-hmm. you agree with it and it's legal or whatever your issue is with it. The fact of the matter is that just south of the border, there is crimes against humanity that are happening that are beyond what you've seen in Iraq and North Korea. Right. This mm-hmm. was happening in Mexico right now. And the fact that we don't pay attention to it in the United States and we think about all oh, these, you know, regime war changes in the Middle East or whatever, but just south of the border, some of the worst crimes against humanity are happening. That's and you scary. Know who's cartel power. It's the same people in America who want to put the walls up. The Americans have created a billion dollar cocaine business because of their addiction. The cartels have to come here. They have to harvest from it's Colombia, driving a market. get it on the boats, to get to Mexico, Sinaloa, to get it here. So it's our own people who created this business, and they're complaining about it. Okay, yeah. well, you want, you want to stop them? There goes your cocaine addiction. It's a vicious circle, and they don't see the connection. It's like, no, no, you're the reason why. Yeah, we're driving the market here in America. This yeah, is... we are one of the most thriving cocaine businesses. It's wild. Yeah. And it's also, just... my story. I watch a lot of drug documentaries as well. This is the best. I mean, there is a fair sh- there's a fair amount of drug references made on this podcast. Okay, so you're okay. You're okay. You're all good in this book. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, I just want to keep keep talking about it again. Uh, being yeah. associated with the Latino Hispanic community, can you speak on the topic of inner community hate? And yes, this is yeah, yeah. Um, well. There's the hate I've experienced, and there's also the hate I've heard other people talk about. The ones most recently I've heard talk about are those in the Afro-Latino community, and specifically those who are actresses. They've gone to roles who are looking for Latina-looking girl. They'll walk in the room, and the casting people are like, well, what are you? What do you mean, what am I? Like, what are you trying to ask me? And they'll be like, oh, well, I'm Dominican, I'm Puerto Rican, I'm Cuban. They're like, oh, we're looking for something more like... LA Hispanic, more like Mexican. Yeah. So they can walk in for a role that says Latina because they're probably picturing like J Lo, Selma Hayek. Yeah. And they're over here kind of more like Rosie Perez ish, you know? Yeah. So even that that's the Hollywood discrimination, which I'm learning about, which it didn't even dawn on me, which is like check your privilege as a Latina. Like if they're looking for a chubby Latina, I could walk in there and be like, I'm exactly what you're looking for. Like they're on the hoops and the eyeliner, you got it. Yeah. Like you need a you need a Hawaiian chick, you know. Put my hair down and put in a flower. You got it. Like. Yeah. You know, but so I've learned about that, and I told my mom I was like, I didn't even realize that the other, you know, Latino women out there were suffering like that, especially yeah. in Hollywood. Like I just thought, oh, well, being Mexican. Wait, no, it's more broader than that. Uh, and then in our own community, just growing up like oh you don't speak spanish then you're not really mexican oh um you know you don't listen to banda or you know different types of music or you don't know how to salsa or any of that and uh people don't see you as real uh people in mexico like 
I remember um, the movie Roma came out, the main star. Mm-hmm. She was on the cover of Vogue, and people in Mexico were like, what is that Oaxacan doing wearing Dior? What is she doing wearing all these brands? Just because wow. she was Because they discriminate against the Oaxacan people. I'm like, this girl is fabulous. She's killing the game. I follow her on Instagram. Yeah. But they were hating on her because yeah. she's Oaxacan and they're in the same country. And yeah, that's uh, really prevalent in like in in the Mexican culture for you to yeah. be discriminatory towards other people from other states from your own country. Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe that has more to do with like cartel beef too. But I mean, like there's just, you hear yeah. It's just, I mean, everybody, people from Chihuahua, like you're not from Chihuahua, then you, if you're not from Sinaloa, then like you ain't yeah. anything, you know? And it's like, uh, I, I don't know where any of my family's from. <laughs> yeah. See, like my family is prevalent, like Chihuahua and Mexicali, which Mexicali is Baja, California, mm-hmm. which really just an extension of like San Diego, just add brown people. like Yeah, just add have- some resorts. Exactly. Um, and then like, I remember like learning growing up, like in Mexico City, if you don't have light hair, light skin, light eyes, they don't want anything to do with you. Yep. They're, they want to be rubio. That's what the word, like the blondes. If you're moreno, no, you're discriminated because you're dark. Dark means you're trash. Dark means exactly. you're poor, mm-hmm. which is crazy. It's like on my side, like I have like these hazel greenish eyes. They change color. And I'm like, well, that's one thing I got. If I went to Mexico City, just throw more highlights in, I'd probably be a little bit more accepted. Like, Yeah, I know, but, right? Yeah, so, and then growing up, too, because I, my, I have the lighter eyes, people would ask me, what am I? Because they weren't quite sure. Because you get close enough, you're like, oh, your eyes are colored. Obviously, you can't be Mexican. Like, Yeah. They associate that. And I'm like, no, I am. <laughs> Just part of, you know, my DNA is I have colored eyes. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so it's just, that's just what's wrong, I think, with the community is it's all based on, like, looks and location of what they're going to discriminate against. And at the end of the day, we're all Mexican from, Mex- you know, if you're from the Me- Mexico, and we really should be helping each other out and praising each other instead of tearing each other down. Because you come over here, and they just want to shut everyone out. Like, you know, someone who's, like, a fresa, that's what they call people who are like hoity toity in Mexico, you're a fresa. Mm-hmm. And they come over here, they don't care that you're a high end Mexico City person. They're gonna yeah. want you kick they're gonna group you with all the other ones. Yep. So then hey, it doesn't really matter which part of the country you come from. Because anywhere else you go, they're gonna be like, Oh well you're just another run of the mill Mexican. Yep. And you can try to interject and say, Oh, but I'm this type No, you're not. You're not. They're they that's why we got to pull for each other. And if you're, not- and God, God for, God forbid, if you were, you know, Salvadorian, and you, you know, you go yeah. apply for a job, and you're just like, oh, you're just Mexican, because that's yeah. the, that's, that's, that's another thing, like the inner, the inner community hate thing that we, that we, yeah. you know, deal with is that, you know, we, there's other Latino and Hispanic communities at large, like you know, Puerto Rican, Dominican, you yeah. know, you, you start getting into. Like you said, Nicaraguan and and, yeah, and all Andorra. these other under, yeah. yeah, exactly. You get all these other little offshoots of these this weird branch Latino Hispanic tree that it's on, and um, you know that's something that like you know I remember my friends, uh, my 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 next door neighbor make it clear I'm Salvadorian. You you do not don't you know don't mistake it, and it is true because it is a it's a it's a you know people are very 
humans are prideful from where they come. It's all they know. Yeah. It means so much to them in their heart and in their mind that, you know, when you disrespect it, obviously it's, it, it hurts. So, and I th- that's, that's why people are prideful of where they come from and stuff. And so it, you know, it's one of those things where that inner, inner, the tension between the inner community hate right there is just it, within the Latino com- Hispanic community itself, there's already tension. So the yeah, like, you know, I'm glad that we talk about it. My future suegra, she's Mexican and her mother-in-law is Guatemalan. Her mother-in-law hates her. Wow. Because she, the Guatemalans don't like Mexicans. Her mother-in-law has slapped her and told her that she was basically like dirty Mexican trash, but in Spanish. Right. And I was like, Gloria, what? She's like, yeah, they don't like us. She's like, they don't like Mexicans. She's like, everyone was pissed. But she's like, it's not just them, though. She's like, my parents were mad that I married a Guatemalan. Yeah. Like, it's from both sides. It's just this war between all the countries it's like why <laughs> yeah i know you think about south america like yeah if in south america like it, it's one of those weird things where there's so many little countries there and you'd figure yeah. that the resources would be better would better serve the entire country than just being so small um right. but you know that it's just i mean it's maybe that's the reason why south america is in the position that it's in like socioeconomically because of the tribalism right. But then again, I think it's just the huge influence of drug export that is just really yeah. destroying that part of that part of the world. But you know what? I think I do because I remember, like, you know, Theo Benny, his wife when he passed, Thea Norma, she's Chilean. Yes. And she made, oh, I'm Chilean. And I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> so then it puts this thing in your mind, like, oh, they're from Chile. Like, yeah. That's how they all are. That's so, how they all are, yeah. You've, you've met them all, but it's like, because I think because we since we grew up here in such like a melting pot of America, it's like no like we all we're all down with the brown like why you gotta hate just because they're Guatemalan like oh Salvadorian your pupusas are great like I know right? what, I'll trade you my quesadilla for your pupusa like I mean I notice is I see a lot of the help in mm-hmm. the restaurant business in mm-hmm. in the retail the service industry all the help here in California is Mexican now if you go to back south if you go to Georgia all the help is black. Okay, this is the, this is the weird thing. The help is black in Georgia. The help in California is Mexican. Right. And that's to me that says a lot because it shows that there's right. a huge pay grade because everybody flipping my burgers is brown, you know. And I'm not trying to like make this a racial thing as far as like saying like white people you owe me. That's not my thing. My mm-hmm. you know I have plenty of white people that have just been such angels to the cause, yeah. you know. So I'm thankful for that. But I think Hispanic Latino community like we need to, like I said we need to like list, lean in. And myself, I'm talking, speaking for myself, because I've traditionally and historically uh, been opposed to my own, you know, my own nationality or tradition and heritage. You know, I've, yeah. I've, and I've been, I've voiced it and a lot of people know about it. So, um, but I'm just glad that we're getting to this point to where we can look at it and yeah. see collectively we're better together than we are apart. Yes. And um, a fun fact. So my boyfriend's mom, I call her my future squad because I love her. Um, Michaela, our little cousin, our baby cousin. Our moms make enchilada casseroles. Our moms don't make stovetop enchiladas like from the barrio, you know? Yeah, yeah. So Michaela never knew that, that there was a different way, that there was a real way. So I told Gloria, which is JJ's mom, and she's like, tell her to come over. Let's set a date. We'll make them. So me and her went over, and, you know, we showed Michaela. We chopped all everything. Wow. And we started to, like, anything you want to know, come. I'll teach you when it comes to it because she's from Mexicali she's from 
these are our roots, you know? Yeah, and she does it the old way. She does it the old way. And then um, um, her tamales, she does also Guatemalan style. So I told Michaela, like, hey, when it's Christmas time, you'll come and we'll see how she does in Guatemalan style. You know, we don't have to just learn one way. Yeah. Like, you know, and exactly. that's really is that like, really, you just have to reach out and ask. Like, even if you're, it doesn't matter if you're white, brown, Asian, if you ask a Hispanic mom that you want to learn something, they will bring you in. For they sure. Will, they'll put you to work. <laughs> they'll put you to work. Like, oh, you want to learn? You're going to learn. You're going to be <laughs> dive deep into it. But that's also what I love about the culture. Yes, we are better together. And if you just ask, they'll make it happen. Yeah. Like, I've seen, like, we're, we're real welcoming. Like, yeah, we do have our issues, but we're a very welcoming culture and mm-hmm. very embracing. Like, I love seeing those videos of, like, I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's a huge trend of, like, black kids who are, like, now invited to the, to the carne asada. Yes. Um, and they hang out and it's like, yes, like it doesn't just have to be a black kid. It could be an Asian kid. It can be a white kid. Yeah. I love seeing, I love seeing the videos of a lot of like, you know, uh, just like young black American kids that are, you know, you, you can see it in their hip hop style and the way they dress. Just, Mm -hmm. you could see they're wearing the Jordans and they got the Nike T on and everything. And it just looks urban and it looks, you know, it's the style, right? But as soon as that chant that turns on, forget it. They know the words. They get down. They even do the dance better than some Mexicans. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, okay, right. He legit, you know, and that's so that, that is something to say about the Latino and Hispanic communities. We are accepting. And like if like one person said that if, you know, Donald Trump ate Goya beans, half of Mexico loved him, you know, and the other half hated him. And that's a, that's the truth is that, you know, like we're accepting despite the you know, the other questionable party, if right. we're, we're so willing to accept somebody. And if someone was just like, man, I eat tacos. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like we can, we can, we can start somewhere, you know? <laughs> yeah. I saw today and it was like, just wait until there's a Latino in office. There's going to be 50 million people at the inauguration, but they're going to be there for like five days before. Yes. All his what cousins. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and oh, the whole Goya. I mean, we don't buy Goya to begin with. We're like a La Castamia family. Like, yeah, no, for reals. Oh, my Goya never was an option. Like, I never me. even, I knew who, Goya? Goya who? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, um, yeah, no, it's not in my pantry. Yeah. Um, we use Las Palmas. <laughs> Jeez, that's so funny. I mean, I, I never actually noticed Goya until after that thing happened. And then I started seeing it everywhere. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> I'm just like, see, I'm a black sheep in my family, though. I'm, I've been voting blue for since my grandma died. <laughs> <laughs> I got to keep hope alive. No, I feel you. I feel you. But that that's another that's me. That's another episode we can get into is the huge yeah. droves of Republican Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> not a, not a, <laughs> that's a vice that's a vice episode that needs to happen <laughs> well we have a whole episode on growing up religious and political and politics like my mom side now maybe this is like a little preview of what you'll get she looks at me sometimes i don't know how you're such a feminist i, I don't know how i raised you to be that way <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, you're like I'm Latina. I have a mouth, and I'm passionate. So, what did you think? <laughs> you think I was yeah. gonna shut up and take it? <laughs> no, it would be so funny because like 
gosh, I know this is a whole different topic, but growing up sometimes she'd be like, so are you a lesbian? I mean, you could just tell me you're still my daughter. I would love you even, you know, but still, are you? I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why is that on my mind? <laughs> I'm not, but even if I was, like, I feel like, like I feel like maybe like one, one, I, I was probably one life event away from being <laughs> lesbian feminist Mexican. <laughs> One life event for sure, definitely. Yeah. Like if I would have watched Wonder Woman like at thirteen, that's probably would have been. The <laughs> that would have been. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Anyways, hey, um, I had a good time chatting with you. I had a good Me time too. catching up. This was yeah. great. This was fun. Um, man, I hope the listeners out there. I hope you guys got a little taste of kind of like what we're struggling with internally about identifying. I guess. <laughs> um. But yeah, this is a good conversation. We talked about a lot. We talked about your, you know, your business. We caught up mm-hmm. about uh, how you got started with that. And talked about our our heritage and the conundrum that we're dealing with about mm-hmm. identifying. <laughs> um, yeah. Talked a little bit about you know COVID and stuff. So we covered a lot. We did. It was fun. Hey, we'll have to do it again. Definitely yes. for sure. Um, before we do the sign off here, is there anything or any place that you can uh, direct the listeners to when it comes to regarding Tasha Bakes? Yeah. So my Instagram handle, it's at Bakes underscore by underscore Tasha. At Bakes uh, underscore by underscore Tasha. Yes. Because it wasn't available without the underscore when I made it. So. Oh, man. I guess I can, you know, I can always hire those people that you pay like money to and they go and they steal the person's Instagram handle for you. Really? <laughs> you know I've never heard of that. Yeah. I'm going to look at that. And there's a celebrity and their name is just like at Kristen. They probably got that. They stole it from someone and that celebrity bought it from a hacker. Wow. Mm-hmm. Look into it. I definitely will look into that. Yeah. Um, Man, that was awesome. It was a great, I had a great time. Me too. <laughs> awesome. Hey, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. This is the Average Files Podcast. Later. We'll catch you guys later. Subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. Peace and love.